Hey everyone, welcome back to our midweek series called A Path Forward. My name is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. It's great to have you with us. Whether we're just watching online or a member at Parker Ford, we're glad to have you on the journey. This series that we're going through, A Path Forward, is um, we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount. There's so much in our world right now that's gridlocked and stuck in partisanship and cancel culture and anger where people are just talking around each other, um, where humility is, is falling away, um, where there's an, there seems to be an inability to have constructive conversations of listening and modeling brotherhood and, and sisterhood and that sort of thing. And so as I've been thinking about what would be a helpful, timely topic for us as a church community to explore um, going back to the Sermon on the Mount and really the root of our faith and what it means to be in the kingdom of, of God is just such a timely thing for us to do. And so what we're doing in this series is we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount through the lens of looking at Jesus' teaching as a path forward out of being stuck, out of gridlock, into an alternative way of living. Today's teaching is going to come from Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, where he talks about um, us, his followers, being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And the title of the teaching today is Who Looks Good? Who Looks Good, God or Us? Before we jump in uh, any further to the teaching, let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to lead us. Jesus, we thank you for calling us into your kingdom and inviting us into the journey with you. You've given us a model. You've given us an example to follow after, and we are following after you when we're seeking to live out the Sermon on the Mount. And so today, through this teaching, we invite you to mold us and shape us and help us be deeper formed into your image. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, just by way of review, Jesus' central teaching was and is his first sermon that he gave in ministry, which was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, you can touch it, you can grasp it, you can grab onto it because it's here. Repent, change the way that you live, turn around, walk a different way because God's kingdom is here. The Sermon on the Mount, this teaching is Jesus' response to the question, how do we repent? and live as if the kingdom of heaven is truly here at hand. So um, his first sermon, Repent for the Kingdom of Heaven is at Hand, takes place in Matthew 4, and then he calls his first disciples, he ministers to the crowds, and then he gives the Sermon on the Mount. And it's his exploration of what it means to live in the kingdom of heaven. Dallas Willard says, The aim of this sermon forcefully indicated by its concluding verses, that's the whoever listens to this teaching is like a man who builds his house on a firm foundation. So the aim of this sermon is to help people come to hopeful and realistic terms with their lives here on earth by clarifying in concrete terms the nature of the kingdom into which they are now invited by Jesus' call, repent, for life in the kingdom of heavens is now one of your options. I love the way that he puts that. Brother or sister, as you're listening to this, I want you to be encouraged because life in the kingdom of the heavens is now one of your options. It, in Christ, it is a legitimate option to live in the kingdom of God here on earth today. Matthew 5, verse 13, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He also said, you are the light of the world. 
a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus here uses two images to represent what it's like to live in his kingdom and what it's like to walk in his footsteps. One, we're salt of the earth when we follow in Jesus's uh, path. And secondly, we're the light of the world. Now, salt in our culture is primarily used uh, for taste and for flavor. We salt our noodles before we bold, uh, boil them. We salt our food um, Whatever, whatever we're cooking, we add a little bit of salt, and it enhances the flavor. And I think Jesus is talking about that, but more in the ancient world, more than flavor, what salt was actually relied upon for was its preservation qualities. Because there wasn't refrigeration, because they couldn't freeze uh, their food and make it last a long time, what they would do to preserve food from going bad, specifically meat from being spoiled, is they would salt it, and it had a preservation protective quality. So when Jesus is saying, you're the salt of the earth, he's saying, you're the preservers of what is good. Remember, when God created the earth, when he created each uh, person in his image and all of creation, he said, it's good, it's good, it's very good. And then he said, go and have dominion in the earth. So the salt, what it means to be his salt is that when we're walking in his footsteps, living as Jesus lived, um, indwelling um, his kingdom, his kingdom values, there's a salt principle that we're preserving that which is good and protecting it from that which would spoil it. And so as you walk out your faith in Christ, you are salt, you are preserving quality um, around you, preserving and protecting that which is good. But he also says that we're the light of the world, And light had the same function then as it does today. Light goes in. It lights the darkness up. It gives us the ability to see. It has a missional quality. Where salt is preserving and protecting, light goes forth and the darkness flees from it. Theologian, the theologian John Stott said this in his book, The Message of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, we should never put our two vocations to be salt, to preserve and protect, and light, to go forth, um, our Christian social and evangelistic respo- responsibilities over against each other, as if we had to choose between them. The world needs both. It is bad and it needs salt. It is dark and it needs light. Our Christian vocation is to be both. Jesus Christ said so, and that should be enough. Now, if you're tracking with the Sermon on the Mount, you'll recognize that there seems to be a contradiction here. Because Jesus here says, you're the salt of the earth, so be salty. And he says, you're the light of the world, and don't hide that. He says in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. But just a few verses later, in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have already received their reward." 
But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand even know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So which is it? Are we supposed to let our light shine before all men, or are we supposed to hide and and be hidden with our acts of righteousness? Well, I think it comes down to who looks good and who benefits. If it makes me look good or primarily benefits my image, I should lean towards keeping the act private. However, if it makes God look good and it primarily benefits others, then Jesus' words, let your light shine before others, can apply to that situation. Sky Jathani says this, First, we must recognize the importance of intent. What's your motivation? Jesus rebuked the way the other religious leaders gave, prayed, and fasted because it was clear they were seeking the approval of people. They were doing their acts of righteousness to gain honor, to gain reputation. Jathani goes on to say, Jesus, on the other hand, calls us to let let our light shine as a way to bring glory to God and not ourselves. We must be aware of our motives when determining whether an act should be done secretly or openly. Secondly, he says, the acts that Jesus said should remain hidden, giving, prayer, fasting, are practices of personal devotion to God. My neighbor does not benefit from my fasting, and while the poor may benefit from almsgiving, this was also primarily viewed as an act of piety towards God in the ancient world. In our image-obsessed culture, where people are, are making a career of putting themselves in front of a camera and pasting themselves all over social media, in our image-obsessed culture, it is so important for us to constantly be checking our motives. Why am I doing this? Why? What is my purpose in doing this? Is the goal of this to make God look good and benefit others? Then by all means, let the light of Christ shine. Let the salt uh, retain its saltiness and be flavorful. But if I am doing this act so that you might think better of me, that you'll be impressed by me, that you'll think I'm beautiful or worthy of listening to, or if it builds up my image in any way, if the primary benefit of it is me looking good, or if that's a real danger in the thing, then I should probably be private about how I'm practicing this act of charity or this act of service. So both apply, and they're not contradicting. When the act is done and it glorifies God and it points to him and it benefits others, let the light shine. When an act is done that's more personal in devotion to God, whether prayer or fasting, we don't need to go around and saying, go around and proclaim to everyone, hey, I'm fasting this week. Isn't that amazing? No, we keep that private because this is between us and the Lord. And in that secret, quiet place, the Lord is glorified. In Matthew chapter 20, this is where the sons of Zebedee, James and John, um, and their mom went to Jesus, and they said, when you enter into your kingdom, and you're sitting on your throne, the mother of James and John said, let one of my sons sit on your right hand, and one on the left. And the rest of the disciples heard this, and it says they were indignant. They were so angry. And then Jesus replied, he said, but Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. 
But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is a really good test to run our acts through when it, when it comes to whether we should be private with this thing or whether we should let the light shine and, and let other people see it. Are we doing this to serve? Are we doing this to make God great? Because Jesus himself, the Son of God, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. At the time of this recording, last night um, at our dinner table, my wife and I were sitting with our two younger sons. Our older two kids were out in various other places. And our son, Zach, who's four years old, he really wanted to serve everybody's food. And so we let him take the serving utensils and serve up portions of food um, to each person. And then we said, Zach, would you like to pray for dinner tonight? And his prayer, he usually prays really long prayers. So it's always dangerous to ask Zach to pray before dinner. But last night, this was his prayer. After he served each of us, he sat down and he was beaming, smiling ear to ear. And he prayed this, Jesus, thank you for letting me serve. And when he prayed that, I mean, my, my heart was stirred so deeply, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, said to me, son, listen to that. It is such a gift to serve, and it's such a gift to not have to be seen to do it, just to receive the joy of the Lord in serving others. So as you read Matthew chapter 5 through 7, I would encourage you to read the entire sermon from start to finish again today. And ask yourselves these questions. What motivates you to serve God and others? What's your intent? What's your purpose? What's your motivation? How might you make God look good today? Of course, God doesn't need you to make him look good. He is perfect and glorious in all his ways. And yet he allows us to serve him and honor him and shine the light in such a way that others can see how good he is. And how does this teaching offer us a path forward out of the gridlock of our culture, a different alternative way of living? I hope this teaching is encouraging to you today. I pray that you take it to heart and live it out. Go with God. Be blessed.